Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Live from the New York Stock Exchange, I'm Julia Chatterley. This is First Move, and here's your need to know. Yield curve inverted. U.S. stocks plummet pre-market as bonds point to a looming U.S. recession. Trade war averted? Maybe. Not soon enough for the global economy. Chinese and German data disappointing today. And protests diverted. Flights resume at Hong Kong's International Airport. Is it only Wednesday? Yes, it is. Let's make a move. to first move once again where what did i call it yesterday august angst turned into christmas in august as the president delayed fresh tariffs on china or at least half of them but that glow didn't last very long at all take a look at what we're seeing for u.s futures right now sharply lower in pre-market trading taking back most of yesterday's one and a half to two percent gains here for u.s stocks i'd point out a couple of things one the question is does this delay in tariffs really help facilitate a deal or simply make the Chinese here bolder. A lot of people saying Trump blinked here. And of course, in the interim, the global economy is simply weakening. Fresh Chinese data overnight disappointing and Germany's economy contracting in the second quarter too. And now we have the US bond markets indicating or at least pointing to a looming US recession. Just a few hours ago, let me give you a look at this. The US on the US 10-year Treasury dipped below the yield on the two-year note for the first time since 2007 in what we call a yield curve inversion. This, as investors continue to pile into the relative safe haven of U.S. bonds, and it's not just in the United States. In the U.K., the yield curve inverted for the first time since 2008 today, too. Ten-year yields now sitting at their lowest level since mid-2016. We also saw the longer bonds, the 30-year falling to record lows today too. Yesterday I was asking on this show, at what point do bonds look overbought? Well, I can tell you the answer today is not right now. Former Fed Chair Alan Greenspan saying that he wouldn't be surprised to see US rates at 0% or lower. Is that alarmist? Or is it simply a reflection of the sheer quantity of global uncertainties right now that are going on? Let's get to the drivers on this note. A four-month reprieve on around 50% of those tariffs set to hit Chinese imports here in the United States. But global markets are saying the trade war still remains a huge problem for growth. John Defterius joins us on this. John, plenty of people here are saying that President Trump blinked in the face of stock market pressure Mm. here. You've got the Federal reserve cutting rates perhaps amid pressure from the markets too it feels like the only people in control here are investors and the broader markets what do you say to that 
I think that is a fair point. It's hard to ignore all the red lights flashing from uh, Wall Street right now and from the bond market. Uh, Julia, whether you're in the White House, the Treasury Department, or the marbled halls of the Federal Reserve, it's interesting. Donald Trump doesn't mind talking about the stock market when it goes up, and that's what he did 24 hours ago when he made his announcement and blinking, as you suggested, uh, with Beijing. But not today or the sell-off that we saw on Monday. I, I think it's really interesting to point out again, he says that the, the trade war with China is not having an impact on the U.S. economy or the global economy. They're just collecting $60 billion worth of tariffs. Uh, but don't tell that to Macy's, which has now put out a forecast warning uh, because of slower sales going forward and pre-market trade down better than 10% on the stock. Uh, Donald Trump didn't want to serve as Scrooge for Christmas toys uh, in the season going forward. That's why he waited till December 15th. But the bond market is pointing to risk right now. Uh, and I know it sounds anecdotal, but when I was in California, I spoke to a very large commodity trading group that went long on pork at the end of 2018 and in 2019, thinking that demand from China was gonna be very strong. We see a slowdown in China, but not to the levels that their order books would suggest which makes me believe that China's making political decisions here, wants the White House to feel the pain of the trade dispute and cutting orders on farm products, which is a political hot button for Donald Trump going forward as well. I couldn't agree more. I mean, that's anecdotal, but we know what they've done over agricultural purchases, too. They're incredibly strategic at going for voters for President Trump and making sure they feel the pain of this trade war. The funny thing about this is, and it's not funny, but it is poignant, I think, at this moment. If you look at some of the Chinese data that we got overnight, you could argue that this is precisely the moment that President Trump should be pressing home his advantage here, instead of which he's sort of backed off. Well, think of the two major players at the poker table, Julia. Donald Trump on one side and Xi Jinping uh, on the other. Donald Trump did blink when it came to giving the breathing room until uh, December 15th. But look at the data coming from China, as you're suggesting here. We watch uh, industrial production very carefully in the second largest economy in the world. And it's at a 17-year low. That number to the rest of the world looks pretty decent at 4.8%. It is awful for China. 6.3% the month before. Retail sales, again, for the rest of the world, 7.6% sounds very good, but we were spoiled seeing China with retail sales up 9, 10, 11% during the heyday of 8 and 9% growth. We don't see it right now. Missoula Bank was telling our, our friends here at CNN Business Digital, perhaps these numbers are so alarming that China will go to the bargaining table and be a little bit more flexible. I take a different view. I think President Xi Jinping is president for life potentially here. He has $3 trillion of Forex reserves. If he wants Donald Trump to feel the pain, uh, they'll get back to the bargaining table. But I don't expect China to be that flexible when it comes to some of the key points that they're pushing for. Yeah, one heck of a poker game here, if that's what it is. John Defterius, thank you so much for that. Now, mm -hmm. it's not only uh, the Chinese economy, the global economy that's weakening. Germany, too. We had growth numbers that show a contraction for the second quarter. A number of analysts coming out this morning and saying perhaps Germany already in technical recession. Claire Sebastian joins us on this story. These guys, another country, export heavy, caught in the crosswinds of the trade war, auto weakness, Brexit, you name it. Germany's facing it right now. was seen as the engine of growth in the eurozone now underperforming the eurozone for those of us who've covered the euro crisis of the last uh, five to ten years that really is a very unusual situation but as you say 
external factors are a big part of this. Germany's economy heavily dependent on exports, and we have them caught right in the middle uh, of this trade war. The U.S. is their biggest export market. China uh, is third. So the prospect not only of, uh, of tariffs, but also of, of slowing growth in both those countries has really hit Germany. Plus the situation uh, with autos. China's auto sector has been slowing. Volkswagen, for example, uh, made 40 percent nearly of its sales uh, in China last year. So this is a very crucial market uh, for Germany's automakers. So, so a lot of a lot of factors. Brexit as well. Uh, that could hurt if we have a no deal. That could hurt Germany's export exporters even more. So a lot of factors uh, at play here. And, and it's not just about the, the tangible effects of, uh, of trade and external factors. You know, we talk about this a lot with the U.S. economy. This is about uncertainty. We've seen business confidence drop to its lowest level uh, since 2011. And we're starting to see weakness in consumer sentiment as well. This is corrosive uh, to an economy like Germany. So I think now the question is they've had one quarter of contraction. How do they avoid a second quarter? It's such a great point. And remember, it's hard to believe that we're talking about what's long been called the engine of growth here for the Eurozone, the largest, the strongest economy for a decade or more, Germany. The question is, and does this provide a license to ease here for the European Central Bank? Because it's the Germans that have been most resistant, ultimately, to further monetary stimulus, to bond buying in Europe. Does this green card the ECB for more here, Claire? You know, I think the ECB was poised for action anyway, Julia. They very much opened the door to, to further easing. Not that they have much room to do that uh, at their last meeting. Rates already in negative. They could cut rates further into negative. They could uh, ramp up QE again. That could be a problem for banks. We know that Germany's banks uh, are weaker. Lower rates tend to hurt uh, banks' profits. So there has been some suggestion that the ECB could introduce some kind of tiering uh, uh, rate system where the banks don't have to pay quite as much to park their money uh, at the ECB. But I think it's not just a question of of what the ECB does about this. I think it's a question of what Germany does about this. Mario Draghi has made it very clear that this isn't, that, that monetary policy isn't the only game at town when it comes to, to boosting Europe's economy. And I think, you know, we've heard from the German economy minister, he says they're going to uh, try to act uh, to, to stop another quarter of recession. He suggested uh, back in June they might do things like investing in roads uh, and research. I think we should be on the lookout for some kind of fiscal measures from Germany as well as they attempt to shore up their economy. Yeah, that's what's needed. Monetary policy aside. Claire Sebastian, thank you so much for that. We're going to head to Hong Kong now where flights have resumed at Hong Kong's international airport after we all watched those violent protests last night in Hong Kong. Some protesters now expressing remorse for the violence. Paula Hancocks joins us from there. Paula, you and I were talking amid what then became sporadic pockets of quite graphic violence. But if you've now got protesters that are saying, look, we're sorry for ultimately what happened and we're only talking pockets, do you think protesters are realizing here that those that have been violent perhaps have undermined the greater cause here? Some protesters, Julia, are certainly realizing that. I don't think all protesters are. There are still those who will continue this kind of uh, protest and scuffles with the police that we did see last night. Now, there, there's still maybe a couple of dozen protesters in the airport. It is very small. They are just sitting down very peacefully, and, and they have posters saying they're sorry about what happened uh, overnight. Uh, the uh, security has got better at the airport. This is why now we're, we're seeing uh, a lack of 
protesters and the fact that these flights can start to get back to normal. People are being asked for their passport and their boarding pass before they are allowed into the airport. Uh, and there's more of a police presence as well. Uh, we don't know whether that's also to sort of allay any concerns that passengers have, that they can see a visible police presence within the airport. But this is like a completely different airport to, to what we saw overnight last night. It's been completely cleaned up, or the graffiti, or the damage, or the rubbish has been cleaned away really within hours of the uh, the scuffles and those protests. Uh, but it is not going to end here. I mean, these protests will continue. The Hong Kong police have said the airport is not the place to do it. And we are also seeing that in other areas of, uh, of Hong Kong, one in particular tonight, there are protesters uh, that are still out on the streets. So the momentum, as far as we can tell at this point, is still there, just not here at the airport. Julia? Yeah, Paula, what's your sense of, of people that are managing to come in or tourists? Because I was looking at social media and there were leaflets being handed out in, in Chinese, in English all sorts of different languages, French, German, trying to explain to tourists or those coming into to Hong Kong that this is why we're doing it. Are they sympathetic or are they frustrated with the, with the protests here? speaking to passengers over the past couple of days, there is definitely frustration. One or two have said they understand that the protesters feel they have to do this, but they haven't been inconvenienced too badly. I just spoke to uh, an older Australian couple who said that when they arrived on Monday night, they got caught up in some of the protests. They say that, that they were scared, that, that they uh, thought that they were going to be injured in some way, although they did say a couple of protesters were trying to help them, but they said the body of the protests really was quite scary and they said they've been to Hong Kong a number of times. This is the last time they will come. They are adamant they are not going to come again. So there is no doubt that the past couple of days has damaged Hong Kong when it comes to tourism. A couple of people have said that they have no intention of coming back. Yeah, clearly having a chilling effect. The question is, how long does it last? Paula Hancock, great to have you with us on the show. Thank you so much for that. Right, let me bring you up to speed now with some of the other stories making headlines around the world. A service has been held in the Italian city of Genoa to mark a year since 43 people died when a motorway bridge collapsed. Mourners observed a minute of silence after the name of every victim was read out. The Morandi Bridge, which was built in the 1960s, came down during a torrential rainstorm. At the prison where Jeffrey Epstein died while awaiting trial on sex trafficking charges continues. The warden has been reassigned and two other staff have been suspended. According to a source, guards should have been checking on Epstein every 30 minutes but didn't carry out any checks for hours. A short time ago, a Swedish court delivered its verdict in the trial of American rapper Aesop Rocky. It's a case that might have seemed unremarkable, except for the fact that the U.S. president got involved. Hadas Gold is standing by with the details on this. So found guilty here, Hadas, I believe, but he has escaped a jail sentence. Talk us through the details. What next? Yeah, Julia, he and two of his co-defendants were found guilty of assault, but they won't be serving any jail time, though they could have served up to two years of jail time. The prosecutors 
had asked for six months. But the fact that ASAP Rocky was actually sent back home to the United States a few weeks ago gave an indication that he likely was not going to be serving any jail time. Otherwise, they likely would have kept him in the country. However, though he's not spending any jail time, he is placed on pretty much what's called a conditional sentence. It's like a two-year probation. He also has, he and his co-defendants also has to pay the victim about $13,000 in damages and also have to pay legal fees to the state about $8,400. This, as you noted, would have been just a, a, maybe a, a, an unremarkable case except for people in the, in the entertainment industry, except, of course, President Donald Trump got very involved uh, tweeting about it after he spoke with rapper Kanye West, who advocated on behalf of ASAP Rocky, and he even tweeted to the Prime Minister of Sweden asking him to get involved. He even actually sent the special envoy for hostage affairs to observe one of the court sentences and get involved as well. This It's not clear whether that worked, whether that had any, any effect on this sentence. The Swedish officials always said that the judicial system is completely separate from, from any influence, from any politician influence. And now ASAP Rocky's lawyer has said that they are still deciding whether to appeal the verdict. They said, though, they are disappointed in the guilty verdict, Julia. Yeah, watch this space. Have us gold. Thank you so much for that update there. All right, we're going to take a quick break here on First Move, but still to come, the Trump card. Did the U.S. president show his hand with Monday's tariff delay? We'll discuss amid a broader sell-off in global markets, some real concern out there, and Jay-Z partners with the NFL, and in the process, treads on some pretty controversial turf in the U.S. culture war. All the details next. You're with CNN. to first move as we count down to the market open this Wednesday morning. Take a look at what we're seeing for U.S. futures under some real pressure here. As you can see, taking back some of the gains that we saw in yesterday's trading session, renewed global growth fears, of course, but a lot of questions being asked about whether that delay in tariffs announced by the U.S. Treasury yesterday ultimately means that we see a greater facilitation towards a trade deal. I'm not quite sure it does. We also had Germany and China both releasing weak economic data overnight and this morning too, sparking a further rush into safe havens like U.S. bonds. And what that's doing is creating fears about future recession. The yield on the 10-year U.S. Treasury falling below the yield on the two-year today. That so-called yield curve inversion, part of the global rush into treasuries that we've seen for months now. Some $15 trillion worth of debt around the world trading at negative yields. That's also fueling uh, a push into safe haven currency like the Japanese yen, the Swiss franc, both seeing strong gains today, as you would expect as well. Gold also rising in the session today. Let's talk this through. Lindsay Bell is investment strategist at CFRA Research. Great to have you with us, Lindsay. Thanks for having me. What do you make of what's going on? <laughs> the reaction yesterday, it was delayed tariffs is better than Fed rate cuts, quite frankly, for fueling a market rally. Not so much today. Well, those are the two things that are really driving trade in the last couple of weeks. It's between the yield curve and trade and you see, depending on what the headlines are, which is driving the market today, it's obviously the yield curve potentially inverting the 10 versus the 2, which you mentioned. And a lot of that's due, that has to do with overseas, what's happening in the overseas markets. So while it has historically been
been an indicator of recessions. Not all recession, all recessions are preceded by a yield curve inversion, but not all yield curve inversions lead to a recession. And this is the critical point. Do you yeah. listen to the message that the bond market's giving you or don't you? Because I made the point there, but you're also making it here too in a, a more clean way, that the real concerns about the international economy is, is allowing a flood of investment into U.S. bonds, and it's creating a, a picture, perhaps, that's not true of the underlying fundamentals of the U.S. economy. And that's what a lot of analysts or economists will point to as being that this time is different moment, but also this time is different because we have the trade situation. And if that escalates like it is potentially could over the, the next several months, that could be a major problem. We're already seeing a slowdown in economies around the world. Like you mentioned, the uh, German economic data that came out, China is very much slowing. Eight of the six Asian countries are showing manufacturing data in contractionary territory. So there is a slowdown occurring, and everyone is expecting the Fed and central banks around the world to save the day. The question is, can they? And I think, again, what we've been asking already in the show is, will this facilitate a trade deal? Or, as many are saying here, the president just showed his hand here and suggested that pressure on the markets is so deeply uncomfortable for him that, that he'll back off here, in which case China perhaps could be in a weakened position with their, their growth numbers and the numbers that we're seeing right now. But actually look at this and go, maybe we've got more leverage than we realize. Well, that's, that's the exact question. There, there are two sides of the table here and we don't know who's going to win because China is certainly feeling the pain and then obviously Trump does not like to withstand a big fall in the stock market. So we're going to have to, this is just going to be like a back and forth I think for several months now and the unfortunate part of this is we're over a year into this trade dispute with China and the U.S. and companies actually have to make plans, right. operational plans and there's so much uncertainty in the market right now. They're making changes to their supply chains. They're move, some of them are moving out of China. The question is are they going to move their entire operations out of China? Because this is clearly impacting the overall relationship between these two major countries. So if you're a CEO or a CFO, it's really difficult times right now. Where are you going to spend your capital? Are you going to spend capital? You're seeing a slowdown. If companies stop spending, they stop hiring, then the whole thing falls apart and we do go into a recession. Let's bring it back to the consumer because we did have Macy's earnings and they've lowered their outlook here. Obviously, in the last 24 hours, they yes. decided on what they were going to say and then we got a delay in consumer-facing tariffs that could have seen prices rise perhaps into year-end. What do we make of earnings revisions? Because even you were saying into this, this quarter, look, you know, we've got the potential for these tariffs to hit come September. Perhaps forecasts need to be revised lower. Perhaps they don't now. Like, where do you stand on that? Well, I still think just knowing how management teams operate, they're always going to be more conservative yeah. than they need to be because the, the game is to beat, beat the expectations, right? Lower them, lower them, lower them. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But Macy's, I think, also is in a one-off situation, a yeah. very company-specific situation, but they're trying to relate to the consumer again, where consumers are going online into smaller boutiques and different places. So they're trying to rebuild their business and the e-commerce have a bigger uh, presence there. So there's a lot of things that they're working on. There are other retailers that are doing better, but they also have more exposure to China than some of the other retailers. It's such a great point to make. Just if we see the retail sector under pressure today, don't take this as gospel. The consumer in the United States remains a significant growth engine and remains strong. Exactly. You're seeing wages go up 3% for more than 10 months now. Unemployment at a 50-year low. The consumer is feeling confident and they're spending. You did see that in the Q2 GDP report, which is a little bit 
weaker than Q1. But it was the consumer has been the engine of this economy. We expect them to continue to be. Of course, this uh, delay in tariffs is going to bode well for the holiday selling season. As the president suggested. <laughs> exactly. But we'll see what happens come into next year. What should investors be doing at this moment? Because we're talking about a flood of money into the bond markets. Prices continue to go up. Gold prices are going up. Do you or don't you buy equities? Where do you go as a, a relative safe haven here? How do you cherry pick and how do you make those decisions? Well, it depends on how nervous you are, what your timeline is and things like that. But we do believe you should still be exposed to the equity markets. And one sector that we um, got a little more bullish on earlier this year has been healthcare. Of course, they have their issue with the election cycle, but this is a, a sector that has been undervalued. Earnings growth is accelerating for healthcare. It is one of the sectors that actually does well when the yield curve inverts and the Fed actually starts reducing rates. It, it actually is the best performing sector. And if you look at the second half of last year, where we saw a lot of volatility in the yeah, market, the S&P 500 declined 8%. Healthcare was only one of two sectors that saw positive performance. So this is a sector we think that people should consider. So even with the noise around the politics right now, exactly. healthcare, the relative safe haven here in the United States. Right. Fantastic to have you on, Lindsay Bell, the investment strategist at CFRA Research. All right, we are counting down to the market this, this morning, expecting to see a weaker open, as we just discussed. Also keeping an eye on the bond markets right now, which do seem to be leading us at this moment. We're also going to be talking in more detail about Hong Kong. What next there? Are we seeing a petering off of protests, or is there still more trouble to come? Stay with First Move. Plenty more to come. the board now stocks tumbling in early trading just one day after stocks posted strong gains on uh, the president's and the u.s treasury's announcement that most of the tariffs around half of the tariffs set to a hit in september will be delayed until december tech stocks though are taking the biggest hit today we've had weak data as we've been discussing throughout the show from germany from china sparking fresh flight into safe havens what we're really focusing on though are the signals being sent by the bond markets. We've got 10-year and 30-year yields currently down. The most closely watched yield curve, the twos, tens, the two-year and the 10-year inverting today. I mean the 10-year yield dropping below the two-year yield, traditionally sending a signal that perhaps a recession is looming. Not just the United States, of course, to the UK yield curve. Brexit fears there, also seeing that curve invert too. We've also got gold making a strong move higher here, up around eight-tenths of 1%. We're still sitting around those six-year highs. All right, let me walk you through our global movers. Perhaps no surprise in light of what we're seeing from the bond markets. We've got the likes of Bank America, City, both under pressure in this session. Lenders here in the United States leading the decline as the stocks drop. 
following that recession risk warning from the US bond market. Here's about ultimately how these banks make money with these kind of moves. Macy's over to the retail sector now, also under fierce pressure. The company slashing its four-year forecasts after posting a 48% drop in profits. Clearly questions swirling about the US consumer at this moment. The retailer has been discounting heavily to move inventory down since 16% right now. But as you heard Lindsay Bell say just a few minutes ago, this is a, a specific story for this retailer, so don't necessarily take the cues for the broader retail sector. Lucking Coffee also under pressure. The Chinese company reporting worse than expected quarterly loss figures in its first earnings as a public company. It invested heavily to take on Starbucks and open new stores in China, sending costs storing. Right now, we are down some 12% in the U.S. session. All right, what about Hong Kong? Cafe Pacific shares regaining some lost ground after dropping more than 4% over the past two days. The airline has increasingly found itself caught in the crossfire between Hong Kong protesters and Beijing, of course, too. Calm has been restored for now at Hong Kong's international airport following five days of occupation by protesters and, of course, sporadic violence as we were watching yesterday. Victor Gao, the vice president of the Center for China and Globalization, told CNN no one can afford the current chaos. Listening. I think between the Hong Kong SAR government and the central government in Beijing, something needs to be done very soon to restore law and order in Hong Kong. Hong Kong is an international hub and no one can afford the siege of the airport and the disruption of all major traffic in the city. Something needs to be done. We are reaching a tipping point. Is now Alan Zeman. He's chairman of Hong Kong property developer, the Lan Kwai Pong Group, and he comes to us from Hong Kong. Alan, fantastic to have you with us. Yeah. Do you agree with that sentiment there? And, and would you see Chinese, mainland Chinese involvement here actually as a worst case scenario to, to quell protests and to prevent further violence? Well, Julia, hopefully uh, it's not going to happen. Uh, the police have been doing their best to try to contain this uh, violence. The violence must stop. Um, you know, most of the uh, protests have been peaceful. In general, um, the people are marching. Uh, many of the young people uh, feel very aggrieved for many, many reasons. Uh, but then um, it started with the bill and then suddenly moved over to all morphed over to all the problems that uh, Hong Kong people are facing and many young people don't see upward mobility and and uh, so the biggest thing is uh, we must stop the violence that is uh, number one then the next step would be to sit down and talk uh, to these young people uh, you know the property prices have been so high in Hong Kong uh, this is the highest in the world at the moment and many of the young people just see no hope no future for themselves and so of course they blame China they blame uh, uh, the government uh, and uh, you know Hong Kong 56 percent of Hong Kong people own their own house in Singapore, 91% own their own house. And so uh, that's the big disparity. And I think that if we can make those young people happy, they have to live with their parents. They get married. They can't afford a house. They have to move in with the parents with, once they're married. And, 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 and that's the biggest problem. So hopefully um, we can quell this, uh, this so-called 
riot or protests that uh, are, have continued to escalate. They start off very peaceful, and then there's a handful of uh, radicals, probably about 700, who... Um, Many stories, some say they're paid, some say they're not. Last night at the airport was uh, just was very, very painful to watch because um, what was supposed to be a peaceful uh, demonstration really turned out to be violent and, and really stopping passengers from going, uh, leaving uh, the country, going, wanting to fly home. Uh, innocent pa- Alan, the, passengers. That Alan, was the problem very, very here is though... And the problem here is, though, and forgive me for interrupting, there's a a trust problem now. I know you said, look, you want a a broad investigation now into the executive's handling of of the situation, of of the protesters, of perhaps police brutality here. Is that what happens? Because so far, the authorities have refused to do that. They've refused to formally reject the extradition bill and take that off the table. It's who first here ultimately because trust feels like it's broken I think that uh, the important thing as I say is to stop the violence then I have called for a uh, a transparent investigation uh, where we can invest not investigate not just the police but also investigate the bill the government potential foreign interference, all the things that have caused this disturbance. And I think that's something that can only be done after we stop the violence, because at the moment, no one wants to wants to talk. And 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 the, and the other problem is it's the it's leaderless. So you really don't know who to talk to, um, you know, and now they have something called Be Water, where the groups splinter off into different uh, groups for a while and and uh, you know, uh, the media makes it look like Hong Kong is really uh, turned upside down. But basically, during the week, it's business as usual. Usually the weekends is when things uh, heat up a bit. Uh, only uh, daytime. This Sunday, there's supposed to be another protest. Um, and and uh, as long as it's peaceful, I mean, Hong Kong's always been a city of marchers. Every Saturday, Sunday, people march very peacefully. This was the, the first time that it's really happened like this. And uh, of course, it's really causing havoc with the economy, uh, especially with the trade war, which started it. And this is on top of the trade war. It's really causing uh, many companies. I think people will be losing jobs, uh, potential recession coming uh, because you have a double whammy. And I think that uh, that's going to be a real hit when many people who now are uh, in favor of, of these young protesters uh, might turn turn on them. And, and uh, as a matter of fact, as of last night, watching last night, many people who did support them are now turning against them because I think people really want and really want just for all this to stop and so we can move on and and, uh, make Hong Kong uh, the great city that it's always been. The airport um, lost a huge reputation. I think many people would agree with you, uh, agree with you, sir. I want to talk specifically about the business impact. What kind of chilling effect is it having on your business? And are you having to make perhaps decisions over suspending investment decisions, over hiring, over what you're going to do going forward here? I mean, we've, we look at the stock market, we look at the Hang Seng, and I think more than $50 billion worth of value has been wiped from property stocks. What decisions are you making here? And could it mean jobs losses? 
I think I think uh, many SMEs, many small medium enterprises, uh, uh, we ourselves are looking at uh, rental reductions for. Uh, tenants that we have, uh, you know, the problem is about 700. The tourism business is almost non-existent at the, mo- at the moment. It's down about 40, 50 percent uh, because of the violence that people see on on the TV. And uh, about 700,000 uh, people in Hong Kong are employed by the tourist industry, and uh, this uh, is is very, very bad. Uh, retail shops, F and B. Uh, Almost every industry, hotels, airlines, everyone is being affected by this. And, and uh, if it continues uh, the way it's going, you're going to start to see many small companies closing up because they can't afford the rents. The rents are very, very high. They can't afford to keep the staff. And so many people will be losing their job. And that'll be the next uh, big problem. Uh, so that's really something that uh, the GDP will, you know, will will really uh, evaporate overnight because it's dropping uh, tremendously at the moment. The trade war obviously doesn't help as well because Hong Kong is is huge and re-exports to the United States. It's a double whammy. Alan, fantastic to have you on the show. Come back and talk to us soon, please. Alan Zem, the chairman of the Lang Kwai Fund. Hopefully, pray for peace. So much. All right. Let me give you a look at what we're seeing right now for the U.S. markets. As you can see, we are under pressure. More context. We will continue to uh, keep an eye on these. For now, we're back in two. Stay with us. Let me give you a look at what we're seeing for the U.S. major stock markets at this moment. We are under pressure, as you can see, a 1.7% down for the Nasdaq right now. The Dow off some 1.6%. All Dow stocks, in fact, are lower right now, except for Coke. Look at banking, the technology stocks, energy, all the hardest hit sectors right now, the cyclicals, those most sensitive to a sharp slowdown. We're very much watching what's going on in the bond markets, of course, as we've been talking about throughout the show. What about what's going on in Europe, though, as well? As you can see, we've got Zetradax underperforming Germany's stock market off more than 2% on news that their economy contracted in the second quarter. Christina Aleshi joins us now. Christina, great to have you with us. Signals being sent from the bond market too about recession fears despite the news from the US Treasury yesterday of a delay in tariffs the bottom line is the trade war's hurting and it's hurting globally right now that's right investors are coming to terms with that and seeking cover in the safest part of the market to your point which you've been covering all morning what happened yesterday was a knee-jerk reaction investors got overly optimistic that perhaps the delay in tariffs meant that the that president trump wanted to do a deal with china before the election investors waking up this morning and realized maybe not not only will that not happen, but perhaps or may not happen, but perhaps uh, we need to take a closer look at the economic impact of the tariffs that will go into effect in September. Remember, there's still about $100 billion worth of goods that will face those new Chinese tariffs. That is going to make it difficult for CEOs and business leaders to plan, period, full stop. So it's not like fundamentally for anyone that's running a business, yesterday's announcement really changed a whole whole heck of a lot. The consumer will 
be a little bit protected and perhaps still continue the trend of spending and helping U.S. GDP. But the fundamental business environment, which tends to be a leading indicator, is still flashing signs of caution. Investors are catching on and they're very nervous, unclear what will settle them down at this point. And there was a lot of discussion yesterday that this was a de facto blink from President Trump. Maybe President Trump now would rather do a deal than not, quite frankly. But what does this mean for the Chinese? Yes, their data is weakening, but do they perhaps recognize that they have a stronger hand than they realized and, and decide to play harder ball here too? So you can, you can argue it both ways. And that's part of the problem here as well, the sheer uncertainty of this situation. I think you're absolutely right. I think the Chinese realize that they can hand Trump a victory or they can deny him a victory before the election. So they, as we get closer to the 2020 election, uh, we, we cannot discount the fact that the Chinese may have more leverage, not less leverage. So the balance of power is going to shift. The Chinese have a very long-term perspective here. And President Trump, he's just looking at the next 17 months, which for the Chinese is an extremely short amount of time. Why not wait it out, see who they're dealing with in 2021, and proceed from there? Yeah, and stock market investors are ultimately in the driving seat here because everyone reacts to that. <laughs> Christina Aleshi, exactly. thank you so much. All right, let me give you a look at today's boardroom brief. WeWork, or We Company as it's now calling itself, just revealed its IPO filing. The New York-based company offering co-working spaces in more than 100 cities could hit the market as soon as September. We Company wants to raise more money after burning through almost $2 billion last year. Chinese tech giant Tencent has turned it around after a run of disappointing results. It says profit in Q2 jumped 35% to $3.5 billion. The company is weathering the disruption caused when the Chinese government stopped approving new games amid concerns about online gaming addiction. Right now, as you can see, that stock off some 4%. Up next, a gift from the U.S. President. Trump delays Chinese tariffs to save the festive season, at least some of them, but has showing his softer side given Beijing the upper hand. We'll discuss. Stay with us. first move. Driving the fears of a recession is the trade standoff between China and the United States. Let's discuss what the likelihood of this is. Joining me is David Aylman. He was the U.S. ambassador to Singapore under President Obama. He also worked at Goldman Sachs in Hong Kong. Is now a partner at Reed Smith. Ambassador, fantastic to have you with us. Good morning. Thank you. What do you make of the current situation? I mean, in the last 24 hours, an easing of at least some of the potential tariffs on additional Chinese goods. Do you perceive that as a blink and do you think it changes the calculus here on the likelihood of a trade deal? Clearly it does. Uh, this was a case of President Trump blinking uh, in the face of um, almost certain consumer product uh, pricing rising in the run-up to the Christmas buying season. Uh, he doesn't want to take the political risk that American consumers um, will finally realize the trade war takes a bite out of uh, their family budgets. Um, whether it means anything in the longer term, of course, remains to be seen. Uh, the Trump trade policy has been wildly unpredictable. Yeah, convoluted, uh, we'll use that term. <laughs> for sure, for sure. What do you think it means to China? Because all the things that you just mentioned and actually the perhaps strategic choice that the president made, you said it was blinking, I didn't. Um, um, 
also across China at this point too, and the recognition that China has been very strategic all the way along, no longer buying agricultural products from the United States, for example, going for the farming belt. Do you think China is more or less likely to do a deal now as a result? Well, President Xi has many options. Uh, there are many ways he can respond, I think, pretty effectively to the Trump trade policy, which is very narrow. Uh, President Trump and his team seem to be using um, tariffs to prosecute all of their grievances around the world. You mentioned they could shift um, agricultural purchasing to places like Russia. They could go so far as to really declare a national boycott of American products. The Chinese are becoming the largest consumer market yes. in the world. I think the most important point, Julia, is that these two economies need each other to grow. They represent almost 40% of global uh, GDP. So a deal ultimately, an important deal, is in the interest of both countries. And I think President Xi uh, and the White House have to see it that way eventually. Eventually. Let's move on, because I want to weave in what's going on in Hong Kong and, and the relative importance of that, not only for the international community here, but clearly the handling of it from a, a Chinese, a Beijing perspective specifically. As someone who spent time in Hong Kong, what do you make of it? And do you see a path here to, to resolution? And if so, what does it look like? Yeah, well, President Xi has a very delicate balancing yeah. act here. While Hong Kong is not as important to China as it was, let's just say, in 1997, it still remains very important. It's got a very deep capital market. For so many uh, global businesses, it is the gateway uh, to mainland China. And the protests, uh, which are very much grassroots protests driven by uh, young people, for the most part, have been peaceful. And I think what we saw this weekend have been quite effective. So the way Beijing reacts to this, um, I think, will tell us a lot about how President Xi feels about the importance of Hong Kong in the long term and about how secure President Xi feels in the face of what will undoubtedly be international criticism, should he move in a very strong-handed way against the protesters. I mean, this is the crux of the issue. I think for anyone who remembers Tiananmen Square and what happened, that had a way of sort of uniting the the world against China and, and sentiment in China actually never really recovered, I would argue, to where it was before. Is that the risk here, perhaps, that particularly with a, a broader issue of the trade war going on here, that action here from Beijing has the, has the result in uniting the world? No, you're right. It's 30 years after Tiananmen Square, and in many ways, it's still fresh on everyone's memory, including the memories uh, in Beijing. I don't think there's much chance there will be that type of violent um, move to put down the protesters in Hong Kong. Qualitatively, what's going on in Hong Kong is very different. And remember, unlike Tiananmen Square, this is still one country, two systems. And the protesters kind of that right now but shouldn't yeah and that's you know inherently there's a challenge here the tension of doing one country and two systems i think is finally uh, coming out in the form of these protests while we're still uh, 25 years away from the ultimate handover hong kong is becoming a much more anxious place and ultimately it's going to affect decision making um in boardrooms we'll uh, how much to invest it. in hong kong is becoming an important question ambassador fantastic to have you with us all right the market's under pressure i'll be back in a couple of hours time to track the progress but for now you've been watching first move time to go make yours
When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So, you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.